Welcome to another episode of Big Ten Spotlight. He is Dion Thomas, the all-time leading scorer in Illinois Fighting Illini history. I am Aaron York, the all-time leading emotion haver of Penn State basketball. What an emotional week. What an emotional week it's been for Penn State. And I'm going to get to talk about it a little bit because we just had our best player, I guess arguably best player, because now Penn State fans are just starting to act like Kanye Clary wasn't all that when he really was. Yeah, he was. Uh, so arguably our best player leaves. And then, Dion, you get, got to experience firsthand the amazing upset in Rec Hall and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the awful see, collapse I, for your team. Not and, and great, I, see but you I loved were, it. See, you were, so, you were so nicely donned in your Penn State gear today just to, just to send me a little bit of a reminder of that game, huh? Yeah, yeah, I'm sending myself a reminder because this is a victory we have to hold on to as uh, as the future now a little less bright, but the present, we got a nice little morale boost from that. Uh, I'll say it's unbelievable that we came back seven points in the last minute as Coleman Hawkins, we praised him so much on this podcast and he misses two free throws and give the atmosphere to of Reg Hall a little bit credit for that. Everyone's saying, including myself, Penn State, let's play all our games at Rec Hall. And Illinois fans are saying, why'd you have to pick this game? Because we would have won that game in the Bryce Jordan Center. I know a lot of Illinois fans are thinking that. But Coleman Hawkins, after those two missed free throws, and then he goes on. uh, I don't know what he was thinking going after Zach Hicks. There's only two people, I think, maybe three, who you foul from out there. Well, first of all, you don't foul anyone from out there. I was going to say... You shouldn't foul anybody, right? But if you're going to no. challenge someone, it should be either Stephen Curry or Caitlin Clark or maybe maybe <laughs> Kese Tomonaga, but certainly not uh, Zach Hicks. What are you doing out there? And and uh, Penn State hits three free throws, and then Justin Harmon almost won the game, which gets overlooked. Was that even with no timeouts? Illinois got a great look there at the end, and they, it fell they out. Did. They did. Unfortunately for Justin, the ball didn't go in. But no, I, yeah, you have to take your hat off. Uh, to Penn State, as Coach Underwood did in the post-game uh, press conference. You know, when we talked to him, he gave all the praise to Penn State, to the Nittany Lions, because they came out and they played well. You know, as I was broadcasting that game, Illinois' energy was off, you know, from the jump ball, uh, seemed a little flat. Terrence Shannon did what Terrence Shannon does, and he took over. Uh, and really was playing great, uh, as you mentioned, until the end, which you cannot put that on his shoulders. But we do this little segment called Keys of the Game. And one of the keys of the game was to not turn the ball over against this Penn State team. We had almost 20 turnovers in that game. That puts you in a predicament where you're in a lot of trouble. Another thing you can't do when you're on the road, miss free throws. We missed a ton of free throws. The third thing you can't allow people to do is to really attack you in the paint. And Penn State did a great job of getting to the basket, especially Kirk. But, you know, you have to take your hat off to Wahab also played really good in the post, not normally known as a scorer for this Penn State team, but he really went in and used his size against a smaller Coleman Hawkins. And then, of course, as I mentioned, um, the penetration sent to the paint. And then you close the game out with Hicks, uh, who stepped up there. And you got to take your hat off to that young man. Three free throws. 
doesn't happen in, in a lot of the games, especially at this juncture in the game where it's on the line and, you know, because nerves take over and nerves did not take over. But you said one thing earlier, big fella, and I agree with you 100 percent. They should consider playing their games in the in rec hall. Um, you know, when Penn State came into the league in 1990, I believe it was, that's where I played 30 years ago against the Nittany Lions. Uh, and we lost our first game there, even though I, I had a really good, you know, individual game, but we lost a close game to Penn State there. But I think that might have been our last loss, to be to be honest. But I'm not sure that it was over 30 years ago. Um <laughs> But those guys came out in that game and were special. I mean, they, they played their tails off, and you got to take your hats off. Yeah, I'll be the first. I'll be the first to admit it felt like we stole one. It felt like Illinois gave it away at the end with the mistakes they made. Although we also got another player stepped up for Penn State, Jamil Brown, with the great yes. steal that Puff Johnson was able to put in. That was a huge play, and. Man, I thought it was over when Shannon passed the ball to Luke Goody. There were still about two minutes left in an eight-point game, and Luke Goody such a good shooter. I thought that looked like a layup for him. He was wide open in the corner, and when that fell out, that opened the door for Penn State as well. So just a lot of different things. I mean, it was a 10-point game with two minutes left, two and a half minutes left. A lot of things had to go right for Penn State, and we got it done, yeah. And and Nick, Nick Kern Jr., what a, he had is a, a season high, at least with 22 points. He was someone who he, we talked about Penn state scoring in the paint. A lot of that was on Kern getting to the basket. And yeah. that's something that Penn state needs to see more of if it's going to improve in this, in this era past now that we're past Kanye Clary. So yeah. And I think it will, I don't mean to cut you off, but I think it will. I like Kern a lot. Uh, as a matter of fact, in our pregame, we were talking to the radio guy for, for Penn State, and I, I talked about Kern. I was like, you know, I'm expecting him. You know, you, you don't you don't replace normally someone of Kanye Clary's um, skill and talent with just one person. You you pick it up from uh, you know across the board. Kern picked it up. Brown season high. He played extremely well. Came in and played with a lot of confidence. You know, so and I will say this. A lot better ball movement from Penn State without Clary because sometimes the ball would get stuck because he's such a dynamic one-on-one player that the ball would get stuck in his hands. But you had little ace ball one with another double-double in points and assists, and a lot of that came off of the pick and roll where he was hitting guys and back cuts. But you're right. Illinois gave that game away. Uh, eight points on out-of-bounds plays would allow guys to just cut right to the basket, not to mention – a bunch of several other mental um, and defensive mistakes during that game. And Penn State did exactly what they were supposed to do. They capitalized off of it. As you know, they've had some big wins at home. So we'll see what this, you'll, we'll see how the, how the NCAA board looks at this when they start doing those seedings again. Yeah. And yeah, I wish, I wish they could play every game in rec hall. It was an awesome atmosphere. It looked like a real college basketball atmosphere. Everyone was talking about it, not just big 10 people, college basketball, uh, people who watch the game nationally were talking about that great atmosphere. And as a Penn state fan, you're not used to, not used to pundits talking about your arena as a great college basketball atmosphere at all that I always joke about it as when, 
those when those posts come out about the top 10 or top five college basketball atmospheres, I usually joke about it. Hey, where's the BJC? Why aren't we included? <laughs> and, but if, if it was Rec Hall, maybe Rec Hall would get up there if, if they played every game there, but they're probably not going to, because even though the atmosphere is so much better, they can't sell as many tickets. And we all know the world is driven well, by money. Yeah. So yep. That, so maybe, but maybe they go up to, two or two to four games instead of just the one because it was so popular. They got some great social media content and they like that. That that can also lead to some revenue streams. So some hope for the future for Penn State. And yeah, like you said, with, when Ace Baldwin is running the show now, he has played 40 minutes. I think the last couple games he's had to play 40 minutes because now they don't really have a secondary ball handler. But yeah, the offense, because there's only one lead point guard, the offense – does run a little more smoothly. So, yeah, Uh, Clary's gone. One person who is not gone yet, Zach Eady for Purdue. And Purdue, it came back to bite them. They they were upset last Sunday by Ohio State. And now last night they they came back. They took care of business against Rutgers at home. We know – Rutgers, not very scary when they're outside of the rack. We're going to call it the rack. And something with Purdue, I notice is that when you're just looking online, they have been getting a lot of hate, at least from people I follow. Maybe I follow too many Indiana fans. And oh, yeah. No- then I'll tell you, yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> one is too many, right? Is one too many? No, they just don't like each other. So, uh, you yeah, know, no, I know they don't like each other, but yeah. Honest opinion from Indiana fans when it comes to Purdue yeah (laughs) and vice versa by that for that matter yeah of course I love that I love that rivalry I do tend to I follow more Indiana people I don't have a lot of ton of Purdue people in my feed so I don't Mm -hmm. get a lot of people bagging up Zach Eady but I feel like if Zach Eady was a guard who was putting up numbers he wouldn't get the kind of hate that he gets I just people I feel like don't like him because he's got the god-given height and he just is bigger than everyone, and he gets these offensive rebounds almost automatically. I feel like that leads a lot to it, his style of play. But not just Purdue, but Purdue because of Zach Eady. Just people just love when this team loses, and they love to make fun of them. And it's well, just it's going to come down the NCAA tournament. It's going to come down. They're going to have to prove it. They're going to have to prove if they're for real this time. But I just thought that was funny. I, this te- Yeah, they're not perfect. And but Ohio no, State played no a great team game. Is. You know, yeah. and that's that just it's, it's no team is. Purdue is the best team in the country. I, I'll tell you this. I know people, you say they're in your feed and they're making fun with of Zach Eady and this and that. Ask them one question. Would you like him to play for your team? I guarantee you 100% of them are gonna say yes, because he 100%. is that. Yeah, he's that dominant of a factor. And you heard what the kids say today. Haters going to hate. So, you know, I don't put much stock in them. Purdue, I mean, and and people that are having negative things to say about this kid, Purdue is 24-3. and You know, they hit number one. They ended up losing to Ohio State. Oh, who jumps up? Who jumps up? Uh, uh, UConn. And what happened to UConn? Man, they get spanked too. You know, and, and that's just the way college basketball goes. Purdue right now and UConn are still the two best teams in the country. There's very few teams that have a, a chance of doing anything against them. Yes, part of that is because of Zach Eady. 
But Zach Eady was on the bench when they pushed out to a 20-point lead against a good Illinois team when I was sitting on the radio. He wasn't in the game. You know, other guys stepped up and played extremely well. So that is a well-rounded team with um, without Zach Eady. They play well, and they're dominant when he's on the floor. And that's just the bottom line. Paint and his crew do a great job of getting those guys prepped and ready. And you know, like I know, the Big Ten is the Big Ten, baby. Everybody has a chance to win and lose on any given night. Yeah. And Ohio State, maybe they get a little boost from from uh, getting Jake Diebler in there, the interim head coach. And everyone was excited for him. Bruce Thornton had a really nice game. Jamison Battle, he was going through a little bit of a slump. He hit some big shots in this one, including that big 15-footer after Lance Jones tied the game with a huge clutch three with Purdue trailing most of the second half. Jamison Battle hit a bunch of, I think he hit three in a row to give Ohio State a nice little cushion in the second half. So it just got really exciting down the stretch. And Zed Key knocking it away from Edie and setting up Ohio State for the win. So I, I'm uh, going to say yeah. this, and not to take anything away from Ohio State. Ohio State's a good team. Lance Jones is not going to go three for 11 from the field. Fletcher Lawyer is not going to go one for seven from the field. Good win for, um, for the Buckeyes. But, yeah, off night for many of the um, Purdue Boilermakers. And, and you're not going to count on that every night. You just want to be able to capitalize on it when it does happen. And that's what Ohio State did. I'm sure Diebler is not putting much. Uh, I'm sure he was very happy. It was a great showing for the team. But let's be honest, they scored 73 points. They ain't a whole lot of points, you know. And Against Purdue, it's a decent amount. <laughs> but you're probably producer usually can outscore you. Producer usually can outscore you. Exactly. I mean, yeah. so even you know, Purdue's a good defensive team. They're not a great defensive team. So 73 points, you know, mid 60s, low 70s is about what you're going to get for them from them. They are almost never going to score 69 points. Off night for Purdue. Good win for Ohio mm-hmm. State. Let's take it, stick a fork in it. What else you got for yeah. the big dog? Yes. Before we move on to the next, so there's these uh, bubble stock, I guess the bubble stock watch we're going to do. Uh, Purdue. They are, yeah, I think they, I think, yeah, what we're both saying is that it is not a sign for alarm and that this team no. is going to have to prove it. It's going to come down to the NCAA tournament, whether that Purdue gets one over on their haters or where the haters get it over on Purdue or where they fall somewhere in the middle, which I guess would be a final four appearance, but we'll, but we'll see. That's Ooh, one of my top storylines. Hold on. Did you just call a final four appearance falling somewhere I, in the middle? I think the hype is that much. I think the hype is that oh much. My I, compared God. To Virginia. I compared them to Virginia where <laughs> they ha- they now have to redeem themselves by going all the way after losing to the 16 seed. I, I, yeah, that's true. Oh, I mean, you Purdue, are, you, what has you, it been since uh, 1980? I have great expectations for this team. <laughs> oh, no, you said in the fall of somewhere in the middle. If they fall short of the final four, everyone's going to make fun of them. If they no, fall, well, it doesn't matter who, who they lose to. So if I they agree. make the fight, do they have to? So they have to make the final four. Maybe some people shut up, but maybe some people say, "Oh, you should have won the whole thing because you brought you have all you have this this amazing Zach Eady." So we'll see. I I'm just trying to predict how people react. Obviously, uh, Final okay. Four for anyone's a great accomplishment. It'll be a great accomplishment for Matt Painter's first time. 
And yes. for this Purdue program, it's been forever. So I will not, I'm not going to rip, I'm not going to say Purdue fans shouldn't celebrate a Final Four. I am saying that there will be people on both sides commenting about whether or not that is good enough. But that's my favorite storyline, this redemption of Purdue and how every game is going to come down to whether they can redeem themselves after the complete disaster last year. And then the other storyline being UConn repeating. So there's not – people talk about parity in college basketball and how there are these – supposed upsets every night not all of them are upsets because a lot of these ranked teams turn out to be underdogs when they're on the road and but there's still two really good team you said it at the top Purdue and UConn and those are going to be two huge storylines in March so that's what I wanted to end that conversation on so let's talk about these these movers and shakers on the Big Ten bubble there are six teams solidly in because Northwestern and Nebraska have taken care of business lately so they keep boosting themselves up. They look like they're in pretty good shape now. Now, Big Ten would love to get a seventh team in. Who is that seventh team? I think if you had to pull right now, they're probably not in the projected fields, but Iowa has been really good lately. They started out getting that win at home win over Wisconsin over the weekend, and then they turn around on Tuesday, go into Michigan State, and they pick up a huge win over Sparty, huge road win. Those are two quad one wins for Iowa, their first two quad one wins of the season. So they are making huge strides. They're eight and eight in the Big Ten, 16-11 overall. So how do you feel about that? How do we like Iowa's chances? They go into Illinois on Saturday, so you're going to have to test them pretty good. But I thought this was a team uh, last week. It looked like they were out, but now it looks like they have a shot. No, I mean, I always thought Iowa has a shot. Um, I still think it's an outside shot, um, but it's a shot nonetheless. This Iowa team, um, and they don't, I don't have their schedule pulled up in front of me, but a win against Illinois gives you that opportunity. Um, That'll be another big quad one win for them. and you they know actually what? play you guys right. twice. They play you guys twice in their final right. four games. So they're going to have opportunities. They also go to Evanston, I believe, away game. At, yeah, at Northwestern should be a quad one win as well. So there's, It will be because they're yeah. in. You know, they're in. So yeah. I don't think there's any question about where uh, Iowa falls. I mean, not Iowa, but Northwestern falls. They've had some big wins. Uh, they're in. So if they can pick up wins against Illinois, Northwestern, and any other quad one wins, I think they're in. Um, well, who I would like, you know, and again, not on the list right now, I think Minnesota has an opportunity. Yes. Minnesota has a really good opportunity to sneak themselves in there. Uh, this Gopher team has been playing extremely well. I was in a conversation with some people the other day, and they were talking about, yeah, you know, coach of the year. I, I, don't, yes. know, I don't know how you um, skip over Ben Johnson in that conversation for coach of the year. Last year, Minnesota was god awful, um, and, <laughs> and I'm sorry, they, they just were. He's that's what it. cost Rutgers their NCAA tournament was because of how bad Minnesota was all year, and then Minnesota beats them in a close game. That's that killed Rutgers at the end of the season. Exactly, exactly. But you know they've been able to come back. They've beat uh, Northwestern. They've beaten Michigan State, which are two teams that are you know firmly in the NCAA tournament. Uh, regardless of where you you sit them, they've beaten both of those teams. And so you have an opportunity. They have an opportunity to really continue to look good. Now, did they have the toughest schedule starting out? No. 
But again, they got three solid Big Ten wins. I forgot to mention, uh, I think Nebraska as, as well they beat. But they've had some really good wins. And they just haven't been great on the road, but they've been yeah. really good at home. And now with their upcoming schedule, which they still play Illinois, they play Nebraska again, um, and then they play Northwestern again. I think if they win three of those games, and then we also have the Big Ten tournament, if Iowa or Minnesota can have good showings in the Big Ten tournament, I think they're both in. Uh, so, you know, that could, those could be the next two teams with you. So I, I agree with you. Maryland in trouble. Uh, I think if they had beaten Illinois when we played them there, yeah. that they would have, you know, that would have been a good stepping stone for them. But with that loss and then some other losses after that, I, I, I think they're out. Um, but, you know, again, we don't sit on that on that selection committee and we'll see what happens because uh, they could also make a good run inside the Big Ten tournament. You make a good run in the Big Ten tournament, beating some of those teams that are firmly in. Maybe you get a nod. You know, you never know. Yeah, I was just I was just writing about how how Ben Johnson should be coach of the year in the Big Ten, and the turnaround's been amazing. I don't know if their resume is good enough. It's not good enough right now. They have two really tough road games coming up at Nebraska at Illinois. Right. Uh, they might need to win both of those to get in. I mean. They also have at Northwestern. I think if you can win two of those three, but that's going to be tough because their best road wins this year at Penn State, at Michigan, it's a totally different animal when you're going into Lincoln, going into Champaign. So they're going to have to impress me a little more if they're going to get into that conversation, but still a lot of hope for the future. Uh, Dawson Garcia, I mean, the way Elijah Hawkins has played coming over from Howard's been pretty unbelievable. He might be the best point yep. guard in the conference. Well, I mean, boo booey, but... More of a pure point guard, everything guard. Yeah. That guy on the north side is pretty doggone good. Yes. Oh, well, I shouldn't say on the north side because then that makes people think that they're in Chicago. Yeah, you accidentally said they're in Chicago. I think Evanston, Illinois is pretty dang on good. Yes. So, but Elijah Elijah Hawkins has a more uh, traditional point guard who distributes the ball, not a score first guy. He is. He's been he's been damn impressive the way he can pass the ball. I think he still leads the conference in assists. And then Farrell Payne, the last couple of games, come on, huge with, uh, with as a presence on the interior. I mean, hit yeah. Payne and Garcia next to each other. That is some front court that uh, and both those guys have eligibility there, left. So I love what Ben Johnson's doing. I'll give the edge over Iowa right now. And yeah, Maryland, like you said. They have let it slip away a little bit. Now they've lost five of their last six. And, yeah, that game against Illinois was close. They had a chance. They had a chance to win when when uh, Jameer Young, he intercepted that ball by Hawkins, was saving it under the basket. He chucks it over his head, trying to get it back into the backcourt, and Young made that play. But then Damask defended the layup, and it goes the other way. Harmon picks it up. Hawkins gets and one, and that yep. was such a huge swing. So – doesn't look like it's going to work out for Maryland. And there's going to be a lot of questions about this team's offense and Kevin Willard going forward. It's only his second year, but it's Maryland. It's Maryland. Yeah, I think Willard is safe, but this is definitely a disappointing season. Um, you and I talked about this at the very beginning of the year. I mean, and most like most teams, they had Maryland ranked above Illinois at the beginning of the year. 
Yeah. I mean, so there, there's been a lot. This is definitely a disappointing season. I think he bring, he'll go out and, and be able to fix those um, those areas where they need. They need more shooting. You know, they need a little bit more size. You know, they needed Dante Scott to really step up for them this year. You know, they're going to have to replace him with someone that's that's playing better. He plays great against Illinois, but then, you know, he goes out and sees other people and for some reason doesn't play very well. You know, so they're going to need someone in that position that's a little bit more consistent. But, yeah, I mean, that Minnesota team, I like them. I like them a lot. Um, again, I agree. You and I are in, you know, lockstep on Ben Johnson should should have a really good shot at coach of the year. So we'll see what they do to coming down the end, man. But it's going to be interesting. Yeah. And one other team that has disappointed me, I really thought they had a chance to get back in it with these two home games against Northwestern and Nebraska. Indiana, it was not even that close. The Northwestern game they made look close at the end, and then the Nebraska game. For them to lose at home to those two teams is so disappointing. And, again, questions with them. They have a lot of talent. I know they've had issues at point guard with Xavier Johnson going down. Yeah. But there's too much talent on this team to be missing the NCAA tournament, and it doesn't look like they're very close right now. And, yeah, losing those two games at – Two home games against teams that have not played well on the road and not good. And Indiana, another very passionate fan base, just like Maryland. They expect yeah. to be in the tournament every year. And now Mike Woodson looks like he's going to miss the tournament. So that's just another hot seat to watch as we go forward with the Hoosiers. Wow, you you are rough. I'm so glad you're not an athletic director. Jeez. I mean, I'm, I've, I, I know how these things work. I actually want to, I want to be patient. I'm Mr. Patient, but I know how these things work. I know how these fan bases are rabid. It's right. Like that Chambers at Penn State where they, he got like 10 years to finally get it going. And then, uh, and then unfortunate things happened. And he had to let go at just as he was reaching his peak. It's not like that where they're going to, these Maryland and Indiana are not going to stick with a coach like that. I mean, even Nebraska, I was surprised when Tim Miles got fired. Well, I'll say did, this. Because that's not a that's not a team you think of as having high expectations. I just know how these things work. And they, these, are, these are the situations where if you don't make the NCAA tournament, you are in trouble. And in, in this day and age, I agree with you 100%. The biggest difference is uh, when you when you look at – this Indiana team, for example, you, you got to remember who their coach is. You know, Mike Woodson was an All-American at Indiana. He was a first round lottery pick draft out of Indiana. He's going to receive some time and he's going to do that because you had serious injuries. Malik Ware goes out, misses a bunch of games. I mean, Khalil Ware goes out, he misses a bunch of games. You don't have him on the floor. As you mentioned, you lose your point guard. I mean, there was a lot of things that took place this year that, yes, it's a disappointing year. I mean, they're going to finish probably somewhere around 500. They had some games that they should have won. Um, most of their issues have been away from home and on neutral court. I mean, they're like 11 or 12 and 5 or something like that at home. Um, they've struggled in conference, but this is when they had those injuries. So, I, I don't know if – I think he's solid this year, um, and there are no – I don't think there are any issues this year. Um, but if this happens next year, 
then I would agree with you that that seat might be getting a little warm, even for the former All-American um, that played under Bobby Knight at Indiana. But Coach Wilson's a heck of a coach. I think he got a heck of a staff. They have a lot of talent that will be returning. Um, you know, they'll lose Trey Galloway and maybe a few other guys. But when you bring Brad, if Khalil Ware doesn't go to the NBA and they, you know, because there are some things I think he needs to work on. Um, you know, he's, he's a decent outside shooter. He's going to have to get better. He's going to have to get bigger and stronger. He's, there's a lot of things that I think he needs to come back and put in another year. Same thing with uh, Mackenzie Mbako. He needs yes. to come back another year. If you can get those guys back, I think Malik Moreau, um, Malik yeah, Moreau Renews, is what, just a junior? A sophomore. Sophomore. He's only a sophomore. sophomore. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, there's a lot of things to be really excited about going forward with next year. That's why I say I don't think that seat is hot this year. You don't make a change when there's so many good things that are going on with the program. But I definitely agree with you that um, this is a disappointing year for Indiana. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so hard to to keep these teams together these days. So I like I like Mike Wilson. Yeah, hold on, hold on. Former Knicks I understand player. what you're saying, but on NIL. But do you remember who you remember who's a graduate and who puts a lot of money into that university, right? It's a guy Who's named Mark Cuban. Guy named Mark Cuban. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I, I don't think they're going to have to jump ship because of uh, NIL. Yeah, that's an excellent point. You, you know, so, so I, I think they're okay with holding holding this team together. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I, I like Mike Woodson, another former Knicks coach. Won a playoff series with the Knicks. So we'll see where that we'll we'll see where it goes. I just know Indiana people are not happy with this team, and yeah, we agree that it has been bitterly disappointing for Indiana. So we'll end on a positive note with Boo Booey becoming the all-time leading scorer in Northwestern history. He is one of the best players, maybe their best player of all time. He has been fantastic. They overcome this injury with Ty Berry and Ryan Langborg has stepped up big time, become a even bigger score for them. So Chris Collins, he is not on the hot seat. He is doing a fantastic job and congratulations to Boo Booey. I, and I got to watch his brother Taylor battle for many years. He gave me many thrilling highlights with Penn state. Now battle ended up leaving his coaching staff to join uh, his brother on the Northwestern coaching staff. So um, uh, I'd lie. If it wasn't a little bittersweet, if I wasn't a little bitter about that, but Ubuwi's awesome. He is he is fantastic. He's probably a first team. Uh, I'd say he's a first team All Big Ten player. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's awesome getting to watch getting to watch Northwestern history as Chris Collins as as a golden age of Northwestern basketball right now in front of our eyes. Yeah, I mean, first of all, when Chris came over from uh, Duke, I, I knew he would do well. Well, I had a feeling he would do well. Uh, did I know he'd do this well taking this Northwestern team? You know. Was it two years ago to its first, no last year or two years ago, whenever it was to their first NCAA tournament? No, I wasn't sure about that. Now they're on their way. They're on their way to the second time under his tenure. Um, this will be another year where they win 20 plus games. And like you said, when you have the talent like Boo Booey, uh, he makes coaching easy, easier. Let me say that. Because he's your general out there on the floor. He is an extension of the coach. He does so many things well. 
putting the ball on the floor, making other guys look good. And of course, and when anytime there's clutch or you need a basket, you know you have that in hand because this young man has a heart of a lion and will challenge anyone. I mean, that first Indian, that first game against Purdue, uh, when they, he went back and forth with Zach Eady, and then of course they ended up closing it out, was tremendous. Then they go into West Lafayette and the same thing happens and they lose in overtime. But great games from that young man. He deserves every single award that he gets. And you you said something, and I'm going to put a firmer stamp on it. He is the best player to ever have played at uh, Northwestern. Uh, And you don't get into Northwestern if you're a dummy. (laughs) Yeah. For him to be in there and handle his, for him to get in there, handle his business on and off the court the way he has, I salute that young man and, and all he's done. He's a heck of a player. A hundred percent. So we're almost there. One week until March. It was officially yeah. March in one week. Of course, it's regular season so long. So we still got to wait until St. Patrick's Day for Selection yeah. Sunday, but we are getting there. We're going to start see conference brackets soon. It is so they threw up Big Ten on Twitter, the Big Ten Network, or the conference. They threw up a projected Big Ten bracket, and I started to chart Penn State's way through to make an upset run. So I'm already getting into it. I said, <laughs> I'm like, don't do this to me. Don't do this to me. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's getting to be that time of year. So on behalf of Deion Thomas, I am Aaron York. Check us out. We are on X at Deion Thomas 25 at Aaron P. York. And we are also on YouTube. So you look up B1G Spotlight on YouTube. You can, you can like and you can subscribe there. And you can also give us a five-star review on the Apple Podcast. We're also on Spotify. We are almost everywhere. So, And also on the Believe, the Believe Network, where there's so many great podcasts. So let's do it. Let's do it. Another three, 30 great minutes of basketball talk in the books. Deion Thomas, Aaron York, peace out. Let's go. Peace. Take care, Double A. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.